intentional around here about what we do and we're called to steward and resource our time and our talents and to accomplish what we believe God has called us to do as effectively as we can and so that translates into plans that we try and unfold tie together as much as we do as possible and keep us on track with what we believe God wants us to do now unfolding that plan can be like uh, watching a good movie or reading a good book. Um, As you begin, you may not know where you're going to end up, whether this movie's any good or whether the book's any good or not going to be able to read it now. There we go. But as you go along and watching the movie or reading the book, um, it all starts to come together. And the plot becomes increasingly interesting because of how it all fits together. Now, I think that's where we are in the unfolding of our plan to this point in the journey that I've been trying to introduce you to this fall. Let's Go is about a journey that God is inviting us into, and thus the invitation, let's let's go. And we want to accomplish these things. We want to share love We want to extend forgiveness. We want to seek purpose, and we want to offer hope. Now, if you're an extra credit student, you realize offer hope isn't on the screen yet. Relax, it'll be there when I get there. But we've been talking in unfolding this plan initially about sharing love, extending forgiveness, seeking purpose, and then offering hope the way God does because he's inviting us into this journey. We want to look at this all fall, but we wanted to start, I mean all year, but we wanted to start this fall by seeing how God invites us into that because this is what he does. And so consequently, we said that God starts with a promise. This is how he journeys. He starts with a promise. So we spent September talking about these promises, these covenants that he made and how important they are that we can trust in, we can rest in, we can know. Then God shows through his son, Jesus Christ, so his love is shown in his promises because he says these things are going to come true. And then his forgiveness, he extends through his son or he shows forgiveness through his son. And we looked at some examples of how he practically did that so we can know how to do that, how he did that to a real know-it-all, to a, to a clueless person, to, to a real failure. And now we come in the month of November to God sending. God sends his church. God defines purpose in his church. So as we seek purpose, this is where we find it in who we are as the church of Jesus Christ. Scott showed us that the first week and showing that the church is the plan. Last week, Dee Schindler just kind of fit in there real nicely as he began, as he talked to us about extending God's kingdom in our little world. Now we, as we continue in this understanding or seeking God's purpose, we want to understand that the plan is is to go. That's what you do when you're sent. God sends, so you you go. That's what you do when you're sent. Sounds like a Geico ad, I know. But you noticed on the go video, that's what we said. Where are you going to go? Where will you go as you make disciples? We're doing all of these different things. How about in your next conversation? Now, if you weren't here last week, 
Dee Schindler gave us this neat little thing. I'm going to return to it next week again, so you won't miss it. But he gave us this neat little carryover, this neat little tool that helps us as we turn the conversation and we talk to people about love and forgiveness and purpose and hope. He said that, you know, you walk up to somebody and you say, hey, how are you? You know, which, you know, do we mean or not mean? Depends upon who the individual is. Depends upon how much time we got. You know, but we all say, hey, how you doing? Right? And then the person gives you an answer. And what do you say? Tell me more. What a great tool. What a great little thing. Doesn't matter what the answer is. If it's great, super. Tell me more. If you're hurting and you don't, you know, and, and, the, and the person says, and you say, whoa, really? Tell me more. That gives us a great opportunity to enter into the reality of that person, their environment, what's going on in their circumstances, and begin to feel out what God's going to do. And that's kind of where I want to go today because God wants us to do that. God tells us to go, but before we just jump up and go, where do we go? What do we do? Do we know really what we're supposed to be doing? You'll notice I didn't put up there that God says go because what the Bible tells us actually is that God sends. And there's a difference between going and being sent, isn't there? Now, it's true that in the last command, the Great Commission, he says to his disciples, all authority has been given under me, under, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do everything that I have commanded you, and I will be with you always to the very end of the age. So, in this last command, he says, go. But, it's obvious that he is sending them because he's there with them talking to them. Now, we separate ourselves from that about 2,000 years, and it's so easy for us to make this going thing all about us, whatever we want to go and do. Now, that takes us back to Dietz's flip chart from last week. Such a riot. This guy's got some great tools for reaching postmoderns, but he's still using flip charts. I was giving him a hard time about that. So, but anyway, here's a picture of his flip chart. You remember what he was saying here? He was saying, basically, there's two major players, right, in our relationships. There's Jesus and there's ourselves. And when we find out who this Jesus is and we find out that he wants to offer us forgiveness, we oftentimes approach it like this. We ask him, Jesus, to go ahead and enter into my kingdom and help me out. And as Dietz said, that's not God's idea. On the contrary, God's kingdom is what is being built, and he means for us to enter into his kingdom, and that's why Deep put his name right there. We have some other places in Scripture where this mandate is given in some very defining terms, and one of those is the word send. John chapter 20. This is after Jesus is resurrected from the dead, and this is what happens. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Peace. Peace be with you. After he'd said this, he showed them his hands and he showed them his side. And they were overjoyed 
when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, that doesn't sound like a pep rally getting people to go. He walks into a room in which they are huddled and they're fearful and they're afraid. This is a little more like a group therapy session trying to get them ready. He comes and he finds them when they're hiding. Two times he says, peace be with you. I know you're afraid. I've got this. He proves who he is by showing them his hands and his side and he returns the joy that they need for all that's yet to come. And and then he sends them as he was sent. God sends. There are two primary words in the New Testament for this idea of sending. Listen, Jesus uses them 110 times. He does it in commands. He does it in descriptions of those who are being sent or referring to himself as one who was sent from the Father. Only 23 times. So less than 25% of those. Aren't you impressed with my math on that? Less than 25% of the time does he ever say to anyone, go. The most faithful of Jesus' disciples, John, was particularly fond of this term. He uses these two words 61 times in his gospel. And there's only four chapters in his entire gospel of 21 chapters in which he does not record Jesus saying, the Father has sent me. God sends. He doesn't just say, go. And Jesus sends before he says go, and he says send so much more than he ever said go. You wonder if there might be something to this, and there is. What's the difference between being sent and simply going? The difference between being sent and just going is the difference between a traveler and a soldier. And I want to show you that. Right out of this passage. The first thing he says to them is peace. And he says it twice, as I've referred to. Being sent assumes a sender. You're not alone. We're not doing this alone. This is not our idea. You need to know this for what's about to come. And that's why he says it twice to these guys, peace. And it's the the Greek version of the Old Testament term shalom, which means more than just a a sense of peace. It means well-being. It means all of your best interest being considered. I have your best interest in mind. I have everything you need. And it goes like this. You're huddled in a room, scared to death, and God shows up. And God says, relax, I've got this. You're not going to be alone. I will always be there. That's the beauty of being sent and not just going. They had already tried the going thing, if you think about it, right? (laughs) When things got tough, they went all right. You know, they said, I'm getting out of here. And they just ran. They fled in fear. Or some of them returned to what they were only secure in, fishing, right? Because of their insecurity in the situation. God has so much more than just a departure in mind for us. The running thing we've mastered. 
The being sent thing is an art we have just begun to explore. Running we've mastered. Being sent by someone who is with us is an art that we are just beginning to explore. What's the difference between sent and being sent and simply going? First of all, being sent assumes that there's a sender and he walks into your little world and says, peace. Now, this is what I was referring to a little earlier when I prayed. Paris becomes a reminder. And all of these other events that preceded it, and unfortunately, many more that will likely follow. Where's it going to be next? Are you thinking twice about going into the city and seeing the lights this Christmas? I mean, that, that thought crossed my mind. My daughter loves to do that. We've already got it on the calendar. And then you say, oh, I don't know. I... Is New York next? You know, God walks into our fearful little world, overwhelmed by our circumstances, whatever they are for you. And he says, peace. You are not alone. Now, I want you to dwell on that. It's not all he means by being sent, but I want us to stop right here. And I want us to realize that this is part of it. God has never said to us, okay, you love me, great. Now get out of here and do what I told you to. He said, I want to send you to accomplish something. But listen to me. I am with you. Always. Everywhere. No matter what happens. Why don't we stop right now and silently, personally, bow our heads and thank him for the fact that he's with us. There's nothing that he doesn't No, there's nothing that he can't control. There's nothing that escapes his attention. Why don't you bow right now and just thank him that you're not alone. Express your gratefulness for his being there. Okay, so we're not just supposed to go. We're being sent, and being sent means that he is with us, and we can rest in that peace, but that's not all it means. He goes on to say, he says, I am sending you. Now, being sent means that we're under orders. This is more than just some kind of industrious, assertive, you know, follower of Jesus says, I'm going to get in there and do something for God. This is about obedience to fulfilling what he asks us to do. I want to show you something rather rich that's in the text here. When Jesus said, as the Father sent me, he uses one word for send, and then he uses another word, so I am sending you. Now, why would he use those two different words? Because they mean two different things. 
G. Campbell Morgan explains it this year, this way. One of these words is apostello. So he says, the Father has apostelloed me. He has told me to go. You can hear the word apostle in there, right? It's a, it's a forerunner. It's the one that goes before anybody else. He's sent me, and there the word refers to Jesus, and it is about a delegated authority. I have the authority to do this. In fact, that's what I just quoted before. All authority, Great Commission, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, right? So Jesus is, a, is God's delegated authority to accomplish this, and apply, it applies to him. The other word, so as the Father has given me that authority, I am sending you, now it doesn't mean it's a different word. Here, it's a dispatched under authority. That's why I say we're under his orders. He says, now, since I've got this authority, I want you to go, and I want you to do this. Now, what does that mean? That means he's the president, and you are an ambassador. You're not the president. He's the one with the authority, and he's asking you to represent him. How many ambassadors get to, you know, chart out some kind of a, of a diplomatic agreement with a country without making sure that they're doing it based on the will of their boss, the president. No one. Or you don't, be, you don't get to be an ambassador anymore. You're under orders. You're under the orders of the one who has all authority that's been given to him by the Father. That means we do his bidding. We obey his orders. We enter into his kingdom. So consequently... Where did my little thing go? We're back to uh, our little uh, canvas that we signed off on last week. This is me saying, I want to go into God's kingdom. Not just invite Jesus into mine, and thus all these beautiful signatures of individuals who said for the first time, for the umpteenth time, I'm under his orders. This is his kingdom. I want to do what he wants me to do. Because that's what it means to be sent. I'm sending you. I'm under your orders. I'm discovering my purpose, my reason to live in your kingdom. Well, I think we ought to pray about that too. Boy, it's easier to, to bow and to pray and say, thank you, Lord, for being present and that you promised never to leave me. It's a little harder to bow our hearts and minds and say, now, because you're there and because this is really about you, um, help me obey you. That's hard. We all know it. We all know the reality of it because there's too many things that we know that he's told us to do that we aren't perfect in obeying. It's all right. What God is looking for is a heart that continues to return to him and say, would you help me obey? So I want to ask you to do that right now. Bow your head and ask the Lord to help you not miss anything he wants you to do, to help you find your purpose in what he wants you to obey.
So being sent means that there's a sender and we're not alone and we can rest in that peace. Being sent means that we're under orders and so we have to seek what it is we're supposed to obey. And then one more thing that he says in here that's important about our being sent. He says, receive the Holy Spirit in verse 22. Now being sent means there's a specific task that must be accomplished. And that's what he's doing through us and the Holy Spirit in this world. We don't, we don't get to define what God's doing. We're obligated to focus on what he has clearly defined as the task. It takes us back to the Great Commission, the last command, which you saw in the video. Make disciples. This is the goal, to replicate myself in someone else, to help them find the same thing I found and help them become a follower of Jesus, just like me. Earlier in John, John explains what this Holy Spirit's going to do when he comes. And he says, listen, this is what he's going to do. He's going to convict the world of sin. Now, I told you this before, but I'm going to remind you. He didn't say convict the world of sins. He says convict the world of sin, and he goes on to explain it. That sin is a sin of unbelief. That's the one thing that separates a person from God. Not all the heinous sins that they committed. He isn't, he doesn't like those and they're a problem but if you wipe and clean out all those sins but you fail to believe in the one who paid your price on the cross, it doesn't do any good. Our faith in him is what brings us into relationship with him and that's what the Holy Spirit's working on. We are just so often distracted by people's sins, disgusted by people's sins, and it distances us from them. When the one thing that the Holy Spirit's trying to help that person understand is that they need to believe. They need to put their faith in a Christ who paid for those sins. And that's where we need to be going and focusing and praying. That that person can understand that and try and get rid of all the other distractions that would keep them from seeing that. That's what they need to understand. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing. He's also convicting them of righteousness, and it's not your righteousness. Well, you know what? I, I, don't, I can't talk to people about this because my life's a mess. You don't have to be righteous. He's the one that's righteous. Well, they're going to see that I'm inconsistent. Great opportunity for you to say, you don't have to be perfect. We can't be perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. And that's why my faith is in him and not what I try and accomplish. And then he's going to convict them of judgment, sin, righteousness, and judgment. And it's judgment of the evil one for whom hell was created and all those who align with him. And who wants to be a part of that? For those who find their righteousness in Christ and place their faith in him do not face judgment. You see, we need to keep the main thing the main thing. There can be a million ways to get there. Based upon your relationship with the person, their circumstances, who you are, where you are, there can be a whole myriad of ways to get to the goal, but that's the one goal. It's focused, it's simple, it's clear, and we must keep that as the task. So deep made it real practical for us. Define who it is that God wants you to be engaged with. Take out a blank piece of paper or start a new note on your phone and write down the people in your life that are far from God, people that are in your sphere of influence. Well, there's that poor guy in Africa. You don't even know his name, and God has not given you responsibility for that person. He's talking about Tim and Harry and Sue and Jane and Bob and Larry and Lori and Megan and, yeah, 
those people that you bump shoulders with every day, that you work with, that you go to school with, that you live in a neighborhood and a community with, what you start to do is you put those names down and then you begin to say, okay, so if you're sending me and you're the one that's doing this and this is a part of your plan, you must be doing something in that person's life. Would you help me see that? Would you help me recognize what you're doing in that person's life and use me as an instrument to help accomplish what you want? You're not going to save the world. You're going to help God change the world because you engage with him in what he's already doing in the life of those people. And if God is the God that I know he is, you know he is, in all of his power and the presence of his Holy Spirit, he's working in those people's lives. They don't recognize it. They don't see it, but it doesn't mean it isn't happening. It is. And what we've got to do is ask him to help us see exactly that. You list those people. You begin to literally and, and regularly pray about those things. You're going to start to see things happen. Because there's a whole dimension here that we're so quick to kind of gloss over. Technique is important, it's essential, but it's not what's most important. I mean, I've been talking to you about this technique, and I want you to use it. I think there's a great thing here to just help us turn the conversation, but I don't want you today to recite it. Aren't you glad the one Sunday I'm giving you a break? Because what I want to underscore is that all the technique in the world is not going to help us touch people with God's message. It's our aligning ourselves with the Holy Spirit who's already working in their lives that's going to make the difference. And when that happens, a little bit of technique helps us. So tell me more. That helps us. But what I want us to underscore today is how important is it that we pray before we ever say anything? It's essential. It's the first step. So that's what I want to ask you to do now. Still make the list, please. Create a note on your phone and start putting those names down. But right now, there's probably some names in your, in your mind. And I want you to stop, and I want you to bow, and I want you to ask God to help you see what God's doing in that person's life. Ask him to help you see what he's doing. Talk to him, him, the one who's at work. And ask him to help you join him. What do you want me to do to help that person get closer to you? Let's pray.
You see, this is purpose. This is where we find meaning in life. This is one of the most important reasons for why you're walking on this earth. God wants us to help him change this world. That's what it means to be sent. God sends. He doesn't just say go. Don't just travel, you know, like we're supposed to explore and learn and discover. Instead, we're supposed to be pursuing. We're not spiritual tourists. We're pursuers of our heavenly Father's will. What's the difference between being sent and simply going? It's the difference between a traveler and a soldier. So get your orders. Understand what the task is and stick to it. You can because he says, peace, I'm with you. You must because he says, I'm sending you. We're under his orders. And you get to join him as he gives us the Holy Spirit. So let's work with him. Pray again with me now. Heavenly Father, thank you. That as you sent your son, he came, did all that was necessary, perfectly, for us to have life in you and our faith is in you. When we recognize what Christ has done and we trust him, we become people who are forever in your presence. Thank you. Thank you for that peace. And that peace that we can have in the middle of a world that just is fraying on every side and falling to pieces. There's so much fear. There's so much uncertainty. There's so much that we cannot control. Thank you that you sent your son and that we have peace in him. And thank you that 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 means that we can have confidence to, to pursue what you've asked us to do. To see where your spirit is working and join him. So help us with that. Help us to be faithful as we pray. And then as you begin to open the doors and the conversations and the opportunities, help us with these little techniques to be just what you want us to be in that moment. Loving people and sharing what's changed our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.